Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And it's your last chance to get more fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this limited-time bundle ends June 30th. Save now at cedarpoint.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Were you saving the SpongeBob? Was that a message? Oh, definitely. The SpongeBob message was definitely a message to the fan base. Let them know, you know, we we moving on up. (laughs) Lamar Jackson from yesterday, making it even more clear. There are no accidents. There are no coincidences on social media. That is how today's athlete will send messages. It means something to someone. It's not just thrown out there for some random reason. And our job as members of the media, did you ever think, Peter, when you started covering the NFL nearly 40 years ago, part of the job would be interpreting the meanings behind random clips of a cartoon that would end up on a place that we didn't even know would exist to try to figure out what a, what a football player is thinking about. <laughs> well, Mike, it, it might be your job, but it's not my job. Certainly won't be my job <laughs> if that's what the job takes. That's all I can say. Because <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that is stuff that I don't do, and good luck to everyone who does it. Well, good morning to everyone out there who is listening or watching. It's Friday edition of PFT Live. Peter is back. He was covering the draft last weekend. We've got some good stories from his time with the Raiders and the Texans and other observations that he might have. We are one week removed from the draft, but there are still plenty of things happening. Also, uh, specific hellos to the audiences on Peacock, Sirius XM85, Sky Sports Action and also wherever you get your podcasts. Um, what, I'm just curious, now that the draft's over, what's on the docket? I know you take your hiatus from Football Morning in America coming up in about a month or so, but life kind of slows down a little bit. You can just kind of – you still work, but you still get a chance to like maybe relax a little bit and reset before the grind yeah, starts. I'm, this year, Mike, I'm taking a longer hiatus – 
with NBC's blessing, just because, you know, I've kind of always felt that the columns from about May 20th to July 20th are just, you know, you're almost like busy work. And, and I've always, when I did the MMQB, that was the website I founded in, in 2013 uh, at Sports Illustrated. When we were talking about that, I said to him, hey, listen, we've only got a staff of like five or six people. So I'd really like to take four or five weeks from maybe June 5th to July 15th where we would be totally off. And they said, you can't do that. You can't pull the plug on your website and expect people to come back. So we muddled through. And I've always just felt like, why are we doing all this stuff in the middle of the summer when much of the time football teams are off? And I think it's because football has become such a monster that everybody thinks they have to feed the monster. And look, one of my favorite things in the world, Mike, favorite things is NFL training camp, where for the better part of a month, I'll go out and see, say, 18 to 20 teams, and I'll sit down for an hour with Andy Reid, and I'll, you know, get some private time with Patrick Mahomes and, and, and whatever. But that is the time to me that is really, really important. So I'll take some time off, kind of rev up for that, and really look forward to that. Well, as somebody who's constantly plugged into the Matrix and has been for 20 years, I can't relate to that because you're right. You have to keep feeding the beast or the beast will wander off somewhere else. And there are more options than ever yes, before that's right. for folks' attention. Yeah. So we have to keep going. Now, we shut the show down middle of June to middle of July because you do get to the point where you're really not talking about anything. Not that Sims and I couldn't find a way to fill two hours talking about nothing at all. But still, there's a point where it becomes pointless, but there's still always yeah. something going on in the NFL. And the big thing yesterday, finally signed, finally sealed, finally delivered the Lamar Jackson contract, executed press conference, and plenty of things to break down. It, it really is, before I get into it, the sound from the press conference, we got the details yesterday, not long after the contract was signed. It really is a genuinely impressive deal. And the the ice broke, I believe. No one wants to say it, Peter, but I believe the ice broke. Combination of things. The arrival of Odell Beckham Jr., who they won't say it, but I think became a, a voice of reason for Lamar Jackson. Maybe spoke to him bluntly at a time when no one could or would, or there was no one he would listen to. And then the Jalen Hurts deal. I think that moment is when he woke up from what I've been calling his Deshaun Watson fever dream and realized, even though I can make a hundred good arguments as to why I should get the same contract he got or better, that's just not the way it's going to work. So I better take what I can get. And he ended up getting a great deal. Eric DaCosta told me the other day on PFTPM that they basically took the offer he rejected last year in September, just before the start of the season, they ran out of time because he had a deadline of the start of the regular season to end the talks. They took that deal and enhanced it, and boom, they got it done. And I really do believe, Peter, 
that it was the Jalen Hurts contract that broke that wall down and allowed this deal to get finally completed. Well, there's no question about it, Mike. And look, I think what ended up happening in this case, and I said this this week in my column is, you know, Lamar Jackson made a mature decision. He realized he wasn't going to be the Kurt Flood of football. The, when Kurt Flood, uh, 55 years ago or whatever it was, fought for free agency and fought for his freedom and not to have to just be, you know, go to one team and play with that team for his entire career or until that team wanted him out. And look, Kurt Flood didn't win that. But six years later, something like that, they did win free agency in baseball. So in in this way, you saw it. Veteran players all over the league, the NFLPA, they all wanted him to draw a line in the sand for guaranteed contracts. But Mike, as we have talked about, Lamar Jackson was not the right person to hold up as the model to get guaranteed contracts. When you have missed 34% of your team's snaps in the previous two years, why, oh, why, oh, why would that team give you a fully guaranteed contract? Because history says you're going to miss some time. Now, maybe you won't. And hey, hopefully over this, whatever, 105 games or whatever this five-year period it, it, it is, hopefully he plays them all. But the fact is, it's, it would have been irresponsible for Eric DeCosta and the Ravens to give him a fully guaranteed contract. But the two things that stand out in this contract to me, number one, we now know, Mike, there have been 11 contracts from quarterbacks, some hot as a firecracker like Jalen Hurts, 11 contracts signed since January 1, 2022. That's in the last 17 months. 11 contracts signed that are $20 million a year or more multi-year contracts for quarterbacks. And only one has been guaranteed. And that is as fluky as the day is long. Uh, obviously, the Cleveland Browns guaranteeing Deshaun Watson's contract. No other contract, and you can correct me, please, if I'm wrong, has been more than 71% guaranteed. So... Now, if you look at exactly what has happened, we have seen, without any question, the Deshaun Watson contract is an outlier. There's no other way to describe it. And it could be that maybe Joe Burrow or maybe Justin Herbert uh, might stand up and say, I'm not playing unless everything is guaranteed. I don't know what they're going to say. But they would have a much better argument than Deshaun Watson would. The last thing I would say on this, Mike is that I think it takes a mature, smart, analytical person. Like Lamar Jackson showed himself to be in this, to back down from what he really wanted and to say, hey, listen, I can sign a contract where over the next nine months, I make $80 million. And I think that's right. He makes $80 million in this season and it bleeds a little bit in, you know, into the off season. So he can make $80 million. Do you know how much money Tom Brady made in his first 10 years in the National Football League? Three Super Bowls, 15 playoff wins, $76 million. So 
you know, look, and I'm not saying there's anything justifiable or anything. Obviously, the money in football has gone wackadoo, but so is the salary cap. So I don't blame Lamar Jackson for getting whatever, or I don't think it's a problem. It's just the way the game is right now. And he did a smart thing in basically saying, I am going to come in because this is the best thing for me right now. It might not be the best thing for the kid, the great quarterback who's a sophomore in college right now, and everybody wants to have all their contracts guaranteed, but this is the best thing for me. Two quick points before we hear more from Lamar. Number one, there is a tiny asterisk on this idea of fully guaranteed contracts because Kirk Cousins has been signing fully guaranteed contracts of a short duration ever since he arrived in Minnesota. It started as a three-year fully guaranteed deal. They have a habit of extending by a year, extending by a year, but every penny of every contract he signs is fully guaranteed, but it's short term. Second point tied to the first one, Cousins falls into a category that Deshaun Watson falls into, a player who had true leverage, a player who, different circumstances, created a competition for his services. For Cousins, it was between the Vikings and the Jets. Those were the two teams that pursued him the most aggressively when he became an unrestricted free agent after playing the franchise tag game with Washington. For Deshaun Watson, his representatives created a real competition with four teams. The Browns got kicked out. The Browns got desperate. The Browns did the kind of thing that a desperate team does when it wants to get a deal done. And those circumstances don't happen very often where you're even in a position to make a team desperate, where you're in a position to let that desperate team do desperate things. Lamar Jackson was not in the position to do that. There was only two ways he was going to get there. Follow the Kirk Cousins path and play two years under the franchise tag and then become an unrestricted free agent or create the same scenario that Deshaun Watson did. And that began with a real trade demand that was followed by, I'm never playing for you again. This isn't just posturing. I'm out. I'm done. That's why when he made his trade demand in March, I thought, ha, ha, ha. Well, maybe he's, maybe he's starting down the Deshaun Watson path, but he clearly wasn't. So it's a rare circumstance to get a fully guaranteed deal. You have to have real leverage. I'm not saying it's never going to happen again, but for the guys who are on a team who are re-upping, it's not going to happen. Your current team is not going to be backed into that same corner that you can back teams into if you either hit the open market or you create this four-team competition via trade and you can get one of the teams to do something desperate slash dumb. So it's not shut, but for guys like Burrow and Herbert and all these other quarterbacks who are going to be doing second contracts with their current teams, it's just not going to happen. And the Lamar Jackson situation proved that. All right. You and I both believe, Peter, that the, the Jalen Hurts deal was the thing that started the engine toward getting the Lamar Jackson contract finally done. Jackson was asked about that yesterday. Here's what he had to say. I'm not, I didn't worry about Jalen's deal. You know, it was like, you know, we came to terms. We, we came to something both, both of us mutually agreed on. Like I said, now we're here. See, it became clear early in this press conference, that there was not going to be a play-by-play, blow-by-blow recounting of the things that happened. From the first question, when he was asked what changed between making a trade demand in early March and signing a contract with the team from which he demanded a trade in late April, 
And he said, oh, I'm not here to talk about the past. It's all positive. It's all moving forward. He didn't want to start down that. He didn't want to revisit it, and that's his prerogative. And I think in this same vein, he didn't want to start down the road, Peter, that would have had him admit that he he had what he wanted, and he finally realized he wasn't going to get what he wanted, so he took what he could. So he just avoided that altogether. And I think that's part of the maturity you're talking about. What good comes from that, really? For us, great headline, great fodder. For him and for the Ravens, nothing good comes from him delving down this path of, I was being stubborn, they were being stubborn, and then the Jalen Hurts deal shows up, and that caused me, with advice from Odell Beckham Jr., to realize if I was ever going to get a deal done, I had to take what the Ravens were going to give me. Well, let's also be mindful of the fact that in, quote, taking what the Ravens would give me, end quote. The Ravens made him the highest paid player in NFL history, and they did it by, in essence, Mike, guaranteeing the first three and a half years of a contract because that's the equivalent of about what happened here. And and let's just also make this point of it, that when you think about all the time he has missed... And I've heard everybody say, well, you know, it's uh, this, uh, that's, he would have, if he had his contract, he would have played in the playoff game against Cincinnati. He would have come back sooner. Hey, bullcrap. He didn't play. That's it. He said he was hurt. That's it. That's all, that's, that's the only thing that matters. It's like people now going back and recreating history and saying, oh yeah, C.J. Stroud wasn't really the second pick. Uh, the Houston Texans traded up and gave C.J. Stroud compensation for Will Smith to shut the t- the spigot off so that nobody would trade for the number three pick. Hey, look, they picked C.J. Stroud number two, period. That's it. And so to me, when I hear things like that, I just say, facts are facts. And you might think facts are inconvenient, public or media people who write stuff like this, but to me... I think the biggest thing that Lamar Jackson did is he looked at the landscape, he looked at his own record and his record in the last two years of being hurt some, and he basically said no matter what any advisor, no matter what anybody was saying to him about all of this, that he understood that Eric DaCosta, Steve Bishotti, the Baltimore Ravens, we're not going to give him what he wanted. So does he want to be a freedom fighter who misses time? Because I can, I'm, I'm pretty confident that the Ravens would have said, we'll play Tyler Huntley, we'll play Carson Wentz or Matt Ryan, whoever it is, but we are not giving you a totally guaranteed contract for four or five years. So I think on both sides, there was... Uh, there was intelligence on the Ravens' side. There was some resolve. But I also think if you asked a bunch of general managers in the NFL that you gave Lamar Jackson that contract after the last two years, after his very checkered uh, record in the playoffs uh, in his first five years in the NFL, man, that is that's that's a heck of a contract. And to me... There are times when you look at something and say, the Ravens were right in this regard. The Ravens were generous 
in this regard. And Lamar Jackson was smart to take this deal. By the way, those of you who tune in on Friday for the SAT word of the day probably did not have wackadoo and bullcrap on your bingo card. Sometimes you have to wait for the $10 word to come from Peter, but it will come at some point today. I personally prefer wackadoo and bullcrap, but that's just me. The, the deal is spectacular when we set aside all the other things that got us here, Peter. And he's going to make more over the next five years than Jalen Hurts will make over the next six years. That in and of itself is impressive. One of the things that gets lost in the shuffle when we talk about the classic extension, we forget that there's an existing deal that gets subsumed within the extension. Jalen Hurts signs five years, 255. Lamar Jackson signs five years, 260. That's just the start of it. What does Hurts have left? He's got one year at $4 million and change. It becomes a six-year, $259 million deal, an extra year of total commitment. For Lamar, he's starting from scratch. He's got nothing. New money, old money yes. doesn't matter. This is the deal. This is it. 260 over five. And as you said, 156 over three. He will make that. That is the top cash flow for three years under a new contract in NFL history. It bests the $150 million paid to Aaron Rodgers under his most recent deal, assuming he stays with the Jets for two years to get it all. And you mentioned that Tom Brady made $76 million during the first 10 years of his career. Here we are with Patrick Mahomes. Best quarterback in the NFL, two-time NFL MVP, two-time Super Bowl MVP. He signed a 12-year contract three years ago. Through the first three seasons of that deal, he's made $63 million. Think about that. $93 million more Lamar Jackson will make over the first three years of his contract than Patrick Mahomes made over the first three years of his deal. I've right. been saying it somewhat repeatedly. Patrick Mahomes needs to go have a talk with somebody. His agent, Brett Veach, Andy Reid, Clark Hunt, Roger Goodell, somebody. Because Mahomes is getting screwed right now, Peter. And the best evidence of it, Lamar Jackson, 156 over three. Patrick Mahomes, 63 over three. Well, when he signed it, you knew that this contract was not going to look good in the first few years of it because he went light. On the first, I think, four years, Mike, total, at least three. But he went light on the first three or four years so that Kansas City and Brett Veach could maximize free agency and bring in the people they needed to bring in to win. And so that is what I'm sure Brett Veach and Andy Reid would say. And we'll see if Patrick Mahomes is going to be Tom Brady because Tom Brady always used to say to the Patriots, listen, just spend to the cap. I'll, I'm making enough, and I can make a jillion dollars off the field. Looks like Patrick Mahomes is making Brady-esque money off the field right now in various things. And, Mike, there are some people who would rather just say, and I'm going to make this up, I don't know. I mean, Patrick Mahomes probably, probably, could go sit in a hotel room in Kankakee, Illinois and sign his name for three hours to things and make a million dollars. 
and again, I, I don't know if that's true, but I mean, I'm, I'm just saying that that you know there are ways for guys like Patrick Mahomes to make a jillion dollars, and he may be like Brady was, the kind of person who says, "Man, I just want to win. I'll figure out how much money to make on the other side." Might be. I don't know if he is or not. We'll see. It's just a fascinating distinction because of what he's accomplished and the issues you have raised consistently about why the Ravens or any other team may want to think twice about making a huge financial commitment to Lamar Jackson. That MVP is four years in the rearview mirror, the injury issues that you've discussed. It's just fascinating to me to juxtapose the two and realize where Lamar Jackson is. And I feel like the Ravens eventually recognized there was so much talk about Lamar representing himself and how it did impact him in a negative way. And I do believe it did. We're going to hear from Lamar momentarily, I promise on representing himself. But at some point, Peter, the Ravens had to ponder the reality of life without Lamar Jackson. They could, Oh, they pondered. They could hunker down, but I think they realized, wait a minute. We want this guy. He may not be driving the best bargain for him. He may not be applying tactics that really work. He may never get a fully guaranteed contract, but we got to give this guy something to get him to show up, or we're not going to be a very good football team. We're not going to be able to put butts in the seats. I mean, Eric DaCosta, I was kind of surprised, candidly admitted one of the reasons they paid Odell Beckham Jr. so much money He puts butts in the seats. He creates excitement. It's not always about winning, 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 winning. It's about giving people a reason to support your team, to show up. And at some point, Peter, they were going to have to deal with a fan base. They were saying, what the hell? Where's Lamar Jackson? We're here to see Lamar Jackson, not Tyler Huntley. We're here to see Lamar Jackson. And even though his quest was a bit quixotic, for a fully guaranteed deal. That stubbornness paid off to the tune of $156 million over three years. And in that regard, it's well, a win, Peter. Mike, Mike, there's two points about this that I think are important when you talk about Lamar Jackson's stubbornness, and I get it, and you're right. But So when we were discussing a couple of months ago why in the world... Uh, it was important for Lamar Jackson to have an agent. I think almost any agent would have said to him after three years in the NFL and with after winning the MVP in year two that on the day that you could start negotiating a new contract, you know, you are not going to play uh, for the the money that is, that no matter what the fifth-year option is, anything like that, you're not going to do that you're going to have to get a new contract now. And so the reason I bring that up is that Lamar Jackson in his fourth year in the NFL made $1.77 million. And that is a year and a half after he walked off with the MVP. And and so that is part of the price, in my opinion anyway, of not having an agent. You know, that's money that will never come back. And yes, you've done a fantastic job on this deal right here. Don't don't get me wrong. All praise to you for getting this contract without an agent. But that really 
you know, you can't forget the fact that two years ago, I don't know what the deal would have been two years ago, but I don't think he would have been playing for $1.77 million. And the last thing I would say about this and about how the Ravens go, Mike, one of the reasons I think there was tremendous pressure on the Ravens <clears throat> to see this thing through is that they knew what happened to their crowd in the last five years. Okay, in the last five years, their crowd and their fan base, Baltimore is a city that is 63% black. And if you went to a Ravens game in 2015, the stands would not be 63% black. But in 2019, 2020, 2021, I know because I go to, you know, I, I don't know, I've been to three or four games in person in that period of time. And all I can say is you walk through the parking lots and it is, it's as big or bigger of a minority population grilling, having fun, doing stuff before the game than there is anywhere in the NFL. And I believe that the Ravens knew that if they did not, if Lamar Jackson wasn't going to play for them anymore or this year, that they would be saying goodbye to a huge chunk of their fan base. And that's one of the reasons why I think you never saw anybody with the Ravens speaking in any sort of either inflammatory or negative way about Lamar Jackson through the whole course of this thing, which really lasted two years. What kind of fun is waiting for you at Kings Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at Kings Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun this season. Kings Island is now open weekends. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Every team tells us their goal is to win the Super Bowl every year. The reality is their goal is to make as much money as they can, which includes filling the stadium with fans and getting people interested in your team. You lose your best player, you lose the interest in your team. You lose the capacity of your stadium. That's part of the business of football that 
they'd rather fans not focus on, but it is part of the reality of the overall industry. So here's Lamar from yesterday talking on the reality that he represented himself through this process and finally got a record-setting deal. I mean, it's a, it's a business. Um, uh, it's a business at the end of the day, and if, if you're going to represent yourself, you know, you got you to gotta have a strong mind. I want to say you get out there and put your feelings in it because it's not about feelings. You know, you can't take things with a, oh, yeah, I don't like what you said. I, I don't agree with this. You know, it's like what they feel is how you feel. You know, it's, it's, it's a grown man thing at the end of the day. So you got to be a grown man if you're going to handle business. I don't really, I, I didn't really, like, do this to prove anyone wrong or really care about what anyone had to say. You know, it's anything. I had to prove myself right. You know, like I know what I'm doing and I felt I, I did the right thing. Do you plan to continue to represent yourself even going forward in your career? Uh, I do. I do. Um, I wouldn't put my trust in anyone else but myself. I know that last question had to be asked, but why would he change course now? After he won, it took a while. And, you know, Peter, I recounted all the steps yesterday. He would have been drafted higher than 32 if he had an agent, I firmly believe, in 2018. He would have signed a contract after three years like Josh Allen did. Josh Allen has made $41 million more than Lamar Jackson has over the last two years that's never coming back. He would have been potentially the face of the Nike Jordan brand as NFL athletes go instead of Dak Prescott. I firmly believe that if he had traditional representation over the course of the last five years, he'd have more of the dollars you were talking about earlier with Patrick Mahomes in Kankakee, and I'm told we'll have a map of Kankakee coming up later in the program, if he had marketing representatives that were being as aggressive as they could with the guy who had become the face of the... And there's Kankakee! Right on cue! (laughs) Control room! Gold star! So... There's a lot of meat that had been left on the bone. Let's not, let's not get it twisted because everybody's going to say he won and anybody who said players shouldn't represent themselves is wrong and they should shut up forever. He won today, but at a hell of a cost to get here and a hell of a risk that he was never going to get that payoff that he ultimately got. So, yeah, I would keep representing myself if I were him, especially because this contract has a no tag clause on the back end. So after five years, he hits the market. That was something that he got that isn't in a lot of these deals. Jalen Hurts doesn't have it. Patrick Mahomes doesn't have it. Now, sometimes the circumstances are set up like Dak Prescott, where he can't be tagged as a practical matter. But Lamar got that. So if he finishes this five years, makes his 260, he hits the open market unrestricted. No franchise tag, no transition tag, no anything, and he can go work his next deal as a true free agent if he continues to play five years from now. Five years is a long time as NFL careers go, but he'll have that freedom to do it, Peter. And I think that is one of the great things that Lamar Jackson got out of this because uh, what's he going to be, 30 years old at the time? Uh, 31 maybe? He's still going to be theoretically in his prime, assuming that – he doesn't continue to get hurt, but and we'll see. There's no Bill Parcells used to say, I've said it on this show, I think every Friday, they don't sell insurance for that stuff. But I think the one interesting thing about this contract, Mike, is that the Baltimore Ravens gave Lamar Jackson really what he wanted in this deal. And look, I'm sure he would have wanted $260 million guaranteed, but I think what he really wanted in this deal is to be shown 
that we value you more than any quarterback in football. And I'm not sure that if the Ravens had a, uh, if you gave them a lie detector test, they'd say, okay, open draft of all the quarterbacks in football. Who do you take? But Lamar Jackson has seen that the Baltimore Ravens have treated him financially better than any quarterback in football. And I think that amount of respect was really important to him. Because, Mike, there's one other thing that I think is interesting. As somebody who's been in that locker room a few times after games, and I'm going back to 2019, his MVP year, I am telling you that even as a very young man with some very veteran players in that room, it is a constellation that revolves around Lamar Jackson. You can just tell. Everybody's looking over to to Lamar's locker. Everybody's like pointing over to Lamar. Mark Ingram one time in that locker room when he was on the Ravens, I'm talking to him and three or four times he would, you know, when he was talking, he would say, there's our guy, you know, this is our guy, you know, Mark Ingram, one of the most respected veterans in the NFL. And so all I'm saying is that there was a big reason and the Ravens knew the reason. They know how Lamar Jackson is regarded inside that locker room. That is their guy. So he better come back. And now that it's over, and honestly, I think the interesting thing is it's over two and a half months before the start of training camp. So Lamar Jackson can take Zay Flowers. He can take Odell Beckham Jr. He can take Isaiah Likely and Mark Andrews. He can take all of those guys all of them, and he can work with them in the offseason to make sure that, look, I don't know if he's ever thrown a football to Odell Beckham Jr. before, but he can work on it. This is what Aaron Rodgers didn't do last year in Green Bay, but now he's going to have time to work on it and to hone his craft and to get to know these these newer receivers a lot better. So <clears throat> that is just an added bonus Because if this thing had gotten done on August 10th, I mean, that's a problem. That's a big problem in terms of chemistry. Getting it done now gives him two months before training camp, more than that, to do whatever he wants to do to get ready to get to know these receivers. And Peter, as you were explaining, that magnetism, the charisma, the leadership, just that natural attraction where he becomes the center of the universe in the locker room takes me back to the speculation in which we all were engaged before the free agency period began. And everyone knew there was an opportunity to go get Lamar Jackson, to take him away from the Ravens with an offer that the Ravens couldn't or wouldn't match. And no one really tried all that hard. That topic came up yesterday with Lamar Jackson on whether and to what extent he heard from other teams. Let's have a listen to what he had to say in response to that question. Like, to be honest with you, I really didn't care for other teams, really. I just really wanted to get something done here. Like, I wanted to be here. It was like, man, okay, other teams cool, but I want to be a Raven. Like, I said, I said some 2018, you know, I think it was April 26th, if I'm not mistaken. And I meant that, you know, I'm standing on that until I get it done. So I really wanted to get this done before anything, before I even want to. Before my time up and branch off somewhere else, you know, I really want to finish my career here and win the Super Bowl here. And that's great now, but the fact remains, 
he went public with his trade request late March, just before John Harbaugh began to speak to reporters at the league meetings in Arizona. It was out there that he had asked to go. So negotiating tactics, was it genuine at all? Who knows? There was that brouhaha that came up middle of March, late March, about the non-certified agent who was contacting teams, allegedly or actually the NFL put out the notice to all teams to don't talk to the individual who supposedly was contacting teams to try to generate some interest. And maybe at the end of the day, it was all about putting more pressure on the Ravens. And he really didn't want to go play for another team. And there was never any serious interest. My understanding is there was no interest. He claims that there was, but it, it doesn't matter. No one ever acted on it, whether it was because the belief was he wanted a fully guaranteed contract or he wanted massive guarantees, even if the even if the contract wasn't fully and completely guaranteed. And then the, the other wrinkle that I talked to DaCosta about the other day, the Ravens could have matched. They had $32.4 million that was already parked in cap space under the franchise tag for Lamar Jackson. They were in a position to match whatever someone else did, up to and including a five-year fully guaranteed contract. You know, we, we talked at some point, Peter, and I was fascinated by the possibility of the Washington Commanders making a run at Lamar Jackson and Daniel Snyder defying the NFL They should have. With one giant middle finger to the NFL on his way out the door. I think Steve Bishotti, the owner of the Ravens, may have matched if Daniel Snyder had tried to do that. But regardless, I think there was that, and that didn't get discussed enough, the idea that the Ravens could and probably would match. that. Why do I want to do Baltimore's negotiation for it? What do I get for that as another team? I've wasted my time if I think the Ravens are just going to match whatever offer sheet I sign Lamar Jackson to. You know, I agree, but I... I still don't quite understand why Washington didn't do that. Uh, and honestly, Daniel Snyder, and, and again, Mike, we might disagree on this, but if Daniel Snyder <clears throat> ends up selling his franchise for $6.05 billion, I, I mean, this this is going to sound crazy, but I would bet, that if he employed Lamar Jackson, he could easily say to the Josh Harris group, okay, $6.2 billion now or this deal doesn't get done. Daniel Snyder would have made himself money either with the Harris group or somewhere else, I think, uh, if, if Lamar Jackson were the quarterback of the team. And think about it for a second. If it were instead of 6.05 uh, million, if he just said 6.08 billion dollars, that would have encompassed the entire Lamar Jackson contract plus, you know, a, a forty thousand dollar profit for, uh, you know, for for Daniel Snyder getting it done. And look, we don't know how that whole thing would have gone. I get it, but. I just don't, I never understood why Washington did not at least, at least pound the pavement a little bit on this one. And I think one of the reasons teams stayed away from it was the reality that if you already have a bird in the hand at the quarterback position and you make a public run at Lamar Jackson and you don't get him, 
what does that say to your fan base about whoever your quarterback currently is? Because this you process know what it is says not in this case, secret. You sign him. I'll tell you what it says in what? this case, and I'm sorry to interrupt you. Sam Howell does not deserve the kind of faith that anybody would say, they're not showing faith in Sam Howell. Who cares? What has Sam Howell done in his life? Sam Howell has been a fairly high draft choice of the, of the Washington Commanders, and that's it. That's all he's done. You know, he's fortunate to be the nominal starter of an NFL team right now. And if, and if uh, the ownership, if Martin Mayhew and, and Ron Rivera are going, after, uh, uh, are going after Lamar Jackson and it destroys Sam Howell, get out of here. You know, get him out of here. It, 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 what kind of toughness would Sam Howell show if the guy who was the MVP in the NFL three years ago, if you got a chance to get him and you don't go and, and you go after him and miss him and Sam Howell's going, oh, ho, ho, man, you didn't show faith in me. Get out of here. Just get out. Anyway, my thought. Well, and another reason not to make that gigantic investment, a point that you've made a couple of times today and a common theme as we migrated through the weeks of free agency before the deal got done, his health, his injury history. Where does his health currently stand? Here's the question he was asked and the answer he provided on Thursday. Are you fully medically cleared? Yeah, I passed. Today. <laughs> so everything's fine with your knee? Great. Yeah. When were you fully recovered from a knee injury? And how much did it bother you? There was so much outside chatter. How healthy you were? Could you play? Was it contract related? How much did that bother you? Uh, probably got better, like, probably a month ago, for real. Like, a month ago. And it really didn't bother me, you know, because they don't really, like, people don't know what's really going on, you know. They, they be trying to reach and pull and, you know, try to see if the club was there or would I come out and say stuff like that, you know. But we keep it in house, you know. It's not anyone's business but ours. Yeah, that knee injury that popped up early December, his two injuries, too, happening in the pocket, that's part of the balance that the Ravens are going to strike. We'll talk about how the offense may change moving forward, but you just have to reduce the total hits. you got to protect him, maybe take out some of the design runs, limit the opportunities for him to get hit again and to suffer another injury. There's a greater incentive to do it now that he has that contract. Here's the play from late 2021, rolling out of the pocket, hit legally, hit low, the protection against hits at or below the knee evaporates when you go outside of the pocket that was the one that knocked him out for the balance of that season and then it was against the Broncos December of 2022 where he suffered a knee injury in the pocket getting twisted down to the ground here it is early end of the first quarter in that game December 4 at home against the Broncos hit in the pocket as he's moving to the left and just that knee gets buckled the PCL injury all the talk about whether he could have come back and it was a lot of noise and I suspect it potentially could have created some hard feelings the Ravens handled it well though as you said earlier the Ravens were always very respectful of him all the leaks were coming from Lamar's camp regarding contract figures the Ravens never said anything he is healthy he moves forward like every other player for the most part in the offseason you're healthy the question is and the challenge becomes staying that way And it's not that he is injury prone. He's playing the game in a way that that makes you potentially prone to injury. I was talking about this to Scott Fitter, not to do a complete 180 here, but it's tied together. 
Bryce Young. One of the reasons they're not concerned about Bryce Young, he gets rid of the football and doesn't take those hits. Both of those clips we just showed, there was a window to just get rid of the football before you took the hit. And we know how the NFL is about throwing the flag if you just breathe on the quarterback the wrong way. Get rid of the ball. Don't hold on to it. Don't take the hit. That's part of what they need to coach Lamar to do because every extra hit you take is an opportunity to suffer that injury that knocks you out for the rest of the season, Peter. And look, the bottom line in this whole thing is, Mike, when you talk about injuries, they really are unpredictable. But you can't ignore them. You know, if, if you are Lamar Jackson, you can't ignore the fact that you have gotten hurt twice in a significant way, both times in, you know, for significant periods of time. So that counts. That, ma- <clears throat> that matters. And if you're the Ravens, you have to also understand that I think one of the reasons that they went after Todd Munkin is that they feel like Todd Munkin can be a, uh, the kind of offensive coordinator that is going to take full advantage of Lamar the passer. Uh, and I think before, and I think you saw it with the frustration of Hollywood Brown when he got traded. Throw the ball to me deep. Why are we not, you know, stretching the field? Why don't we do that? And there was a lot of frustration with Greg Roman. But the Ravens basically said, hey, listen, we're the best running team in football. And to be the best running team in football, you have to set your offensive line as a major priority, which they have done, okay? And you also have to set your tight end position as a major priority, which they did. And you don't necessarily set stretching the field as a major priority. But now I believe with Rashad Bateman coming back to health, with Odell Beckham Jr. And look, there's no guarantee of anything with Odell Beckham Jr. And with Zay Flowers, I think there's going to be more emphasis on intermediate and deep throws with Todd Munkin in his offense than there was in the previous offense. One of the arguments I heard from people around the league during that window when Lamar Jackson was available is that one of the realities of bringing in Lamar Jackson, you have to completely change your offense to what the Ravens were using. And my response to that always was, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just because the Ravens used him a certain way doesn't mean he can't do other things. They just chose the path of least resistance. Why throw when this guy who was the best running threat at quarterback for years, I think it's Justin Fields now, but when he can just take off, why do you want to introduce the risk of a batted ball, an interception, a sack, whatever, into the equation? And what we're seeing is, The Ravens are changing the offense. It speaks volumes when you bring in OBJ, when you use a first-round pick on Zay Flowers. What are you trying to do? You're trying to breathe life into the passing game and take advantage of Lamar Jackson's passing skills, which have always been there, all the way back to Louisville. Louisville, who was the ultimate dual-threat quarterback. He could run, he could throw. And the Ravens, with Greg Roman, locked onto the running side of it. And now I agree with you with Todd Monken. It is going to expand to the point where, Peter... Lamar Jackson enters the 2023 season with a fairly lofty goal. Let's hear what he aspires to do in the upcoming football campaign. I told, I think I told someone like, man, I want to throw for like 6,000 yards with the weapons we have. <laughs> like, you know, and I'm, I'm not, uh, 
individual award type of guy or stat watcher, you know, I just want to do that, you know, because no one ever done it. And I feel like we have the weapons to do it. You know, we got explosive guys. Um, and like Coach said, Nelson, you know, the new addition, um, Zay, OBJ. And we got Bateman going to be 100% healthy, dude, going to be healthy, you know. So it's going to be – can't forget about Mark. I can't forget about my boy Mark. <laughs> and, you know, likely. So it's just can't wait to get rolling. You know, the question that led to that response focused on the Ravens bringing in three weapons. And I'm thinking, three weapons, three weapons. I guess Nelson Aguilar was included in that equation. All due respect, separate category from OBJ and Zay Flowers. But still, they've got plenty of pass catchers out there. They love what Isaiah likely can do. Mark Andrews is still great. They have the receivers now. And Peter, I think 6,000, probably unrealistic. But it speaks to what your point is. With Todd Monk in there, we're going to see a very different Ravens offense, and the rest of the NFL had better be ready for it. And I think, Mike, one of the things when when Lamar and the Ravens had their little, kind of their little disagreements, remember at the Combine where DaCosta said something about the wide receivers that I think Bateman uh, took exception to? I forget exactly what it was, but, you know, we got to get somebody to, you know, stretch the field, whatever it was. But I do think that Lamar Jackson was pretty public or pretty much when he was talking to the Ravens. Hey, listen, we got to get a little bit more in the receiver group. And so obviously the Ravens did that this year, you know, in in and we again, we don't know what Odell Beckham Jr. is going to do, we just don't know because he hasn't done it in four or five years. But in getting Beckham, in getting Zay Flowers, in having a healthy Rashad Bateman, picking up Aguilar's maybe a four or five, I think one of the things that we're seeing is the fact that they're now building this team. I think they built this team to run and throw to the tight end. But the way that they have adjusted this team this year is to add a real element of threat at the wide receiver position, which really has not been there since Lamar Jackson has been the quarterback. Yeah, and uh, again, he's got the ability to do it. We've seen it before, and we're going to see it again. We're going to see it throughout the 2023 season as they pivot to this adjusted offense and you know it is amazing to me John Harbaugh has been there forever 2008 was his first year his offensive coordinators have been Cam Cameron Jim Caldwell Gary Kubiak Mark Tressman Marty Morningweg Greg Roman and now Todd Munkin a lot of different guys running the offense and I think this one is going to be very different from the one that we saw last year and the prior years with Lamar Jackson as the starting quarterback okay let's go ahead and take a break when we return, Peter was behind the scenes with both the Raiders and the Texans on draft weekend. We'll hear some of the things he learned during his travels when PFT Live continues right after this. 
Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.